This book, which is about the first stirrings of philosophical thinking among the Iron Age Greeks, began a few years ago at sea in the eastern Aegean. My wife Sarah and I were in Samos early one summer and had tied up for the evening at a small quay somewhere on the south coast. Other boats had come in after us, laying their anchors over ours. It happens in busy harbours. And so, first thing in the morning, at first light, with the air as pale as the harbour water and only the cats awake, I jumped off into its lime-green blue and swam down the twelve feet or so to the sandy seafloor, hand over hand and link by link down the chain, looking for the tangle that needed to be undone. In one dive after another, I picked up the later anchors, setting them aside. Three dives were enough for ours to lie clear. I was soon back on board, dripping and cold, a towel and then a jersey around me, the engine running quietly under the deck. Whispering to each other so as not to disturb our neighbours, we raised and stowed our anchor and freed the warps from the quay. With scarcely a wake behind us, we left the harbour, pulled slowly out into the sea south of the island, and turned east towards the channel between Samos and the great bulk of Mount Mikale on the Turkish mainland. As the first of the sun touched the tips and vertebrae of mountain and island, we cut the engine, raised the sails, winched them in, felt the hull of the boat starting to lift and surge on its way. We tacked at the far end of Samos, freed the sheets, set the boat on a reach and made for Chios, fifty miles away in the haze. The shadows and ghosts of the blue-grey islands and headlands lay around us all day, as calm as a family of sleeping lions. The Aegean sang and swept beneath us as we took the helm in turn and dozed in turn, heeled over in that wind, driving north and west in the blue and glitter of life. The whole day felt like a dose of happiness, a moment of suspension both transient and unexpected, when this earth and this life seemed not only to be wonderful, replete with beauty and grace, but astonishingly, almost overwhelmingly whole, undisturbed by the news and noise of daily existence, or any sense of hurry. I had with me an old and battered copy of a book Sarah's father, who had taught Greek at King's College, Cambridge, had co-authored with his friend Geoffrey Kirk in the 1950s. The Pre-Socratic Philosophers, by G. S. Kirk and J. E. Raven, has been for many generations the guidebook to the beginnings of Western thought. Carefully, in both Greek and English, the two friends outlined the first emergence 2,500 years ago of the instinct that understanding was not simply to be learned from priests or elders or experts, or by imagining a congeries of terrifying metaphysical monsters, but could be gathered by each of us, applying the worrying and thinking mind to the conundrums of life. Questions come rippling out of their pages. What is the underlying structure of things? What lasts? What is constant in a world of flux? What is identity or substance? What is the relationship of thought to world? What is being? What value? What justice? And in the light of any answers to those questions, how should we be? How should we treat each other? 
I never knew John Raven. He died ten years before I met his daughter. But it is one of the miracles of books that through their pages you can start to know a man decades after his death. I could, in a way, hear him and converse with him through his printed words. And as we sailed through the Aegean that day, and as I looked at the chart beside me, I began to ask why this eruption of new thinking had happened in this place and at that time. Almost in view from the cockpit of our small chartered boat was the whole province in which Greek philosophy had begun. Those grey-blue masses of island and mainland hid within them the thinkers' cities.